On today's show, love is in the air as my co-host, KB, is now a married man. And on today's show, we're going to be ranking our favorite comic book couplings. Also, we'll be talking about some casting rumors for both some of our favorite movies and television shows on the Clois edition of Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull. And welcome to episode, I think we're episode 18 of Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free, and to my left, per usual, who's now a different man than last week, by the way, uh, he left a bachelor and now he is married. Welcome back, Married Edition KB. What's up? What's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, brother. How does it feel to be married? Uh, feels good. Feels yeah. really good. Yeah. I bet it feels good. Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. So last week uh, on our It Figures episode, episode 17, we yep. had your soon-to-be brother-in-law. Yep. Now he's your actual brother-in-law. Yep. So that's kind of cool. So now you have... Um, now we need to get like kind of more penetration into Ecuador now with our podcast. Yeah, so definitely. You, you need to use this marriage to get us more hits on the it's podcast. That's all, all Jay Free cares about. That's that's all. <laughs> I, I don't care about your personal happiness. I could give a crap about that as long as we're getting more hits to the podcast. He didn't even care about the girls at the wedding. You left early. No, I did. I did. <laughs> to be fair, I was moving my aunt at the same time uh, earlier in the morning, and it was myself and my couple couple of my cousins, her son, my other cousin. And then her daughter and my aunt. So we, my cousin and I, uh, pretty much handled the bulk of all the heavy furniture. And he dropped a couch on my nose. Uh, and then it's you know about an hour away. So by the time I got home, I was exhausted. And I'm like, oh, now we got to go to KB's, uh, KB's, you know, his his wedding and then his reception. And by the time I got back, it was the, the yeah, wedding. You missed was, the wedding. Yeah. The wedding was done. So I was like, I'll go make a, a, a quick appearance at the uh, the reception. And then of course I leave around nine o'clock. And I go out, and there's a couple other bars. So the reception was this really cool place. Mardi Gras. Okay, I don't know if you want to, to, to shout it out. Mardi Gras in Cranston. It has a different bar. It has a hip-hop uh, dance floor. It yep. has a, a country it, it music, has, rock um, and roll. Yep, so it, it's got like five bars. So it's got like a pop bar, or a Caribbean bar, a hip-hop bar. That's cool. Country bar. So I don't know. What, yep. was, what, was the, what was the bar right outside of the room that we had? That was like the hip, that was the pop bar, the, the main bar. Okay, because I, like I walked out music. when I was leaving. The bartender behind in that that room, which you you set it up all wrong. Yeah. Hot blonde bartender yeah. wearing thigh high stockings, a garter belt, and a, a bustier. Yeah. I was like, if I wasn't so tired, I'd be over here drinking. Yeah, yeah. The 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 people at Mardi Gras are awesome though, because they helped us. We we were in a jam. Um, for anybody who heard about the West Valley and Rhode Island closing, we, we kind of fell victim to that. And uh, on short notice, two weeks, we had to plan a wedding. And these people, That's crazy. these people got it done for us, you know. So, uh, Katie Burton at uh, Mardi Gras, thank you very much. Shout out to Katie. Yes. Thank you, Katie. I had nothing to do with Absolutely. this wedding. But, you know, I was there and I enjoyed it. And it was a cool place. It was a cool atmosphere. KB and his wife were happy. So, 
It's hey. all that matters, man. It's, it's it's all about just fun and the people you're with. Very cool, very cool. And we get to talk about couples. Yeah, we're talking about couples today, but but that's that's going to be the final yeah. countdown. So this is going to be more about. It doesn't necessarily have to be marriage per se, but no. comic book couples. So you take two beloved comic book characters, and you kind of pair them together romantically, and you have some compelling storylines. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. We also have uh, a few news pieces, some rumors, some facts as far as casting goes and potential movies coming down the pipeline. We'll get into all that. But KB, I just wanted to say, um, you know, with the, the whole thing being married, are you going to still be able to be here as a co-host or am I going to have to stop auditioning a replacement for you? No replacement. Damn it. Okay. Well, I'm stuck with you then. Maybe once in a while. Okay. Well, that's that's cool. We have people people I uh, have in my back yeah. pocket to come in, but um, very very happy for this. Let's get into some rumors because I really want to get into the final countdown. Um, but let's first, if we can, get into some industry news. <laughs> You know what I find funny, though, too, is you've been off. Well, you, you actually just got back to work yep. what, yesterday. We're recording on the Thursday. Uh, we typically record on Thursday, release on Friday. You got back to work Wednesday, which was yesterday. Yep. So I put together pretty much all the pieces of this show. You've had all week off. What were you doing all week, you newly married person? I had I had relatives with me. They all just left on Monday. <laughs> so. See, that's not what people want to hear, but they want to hear that you were... Uh, no none of that (laughs) nobody (laughs) wants to see that um especially me again uh so let's let's start off with some rumors so kb on this awesome agenda that i put together piece number one uh from screengeek.net there's a rumor uh at canada's 2016 fan expo which is the last apparently the last Mm -hmm. canadian appearance of stan lee by the way and Shout out to Rhode Island Comic Con yes. taking place in November. It's going to be his last Rhode Island Comic Con appearance. So if you're a fan of Stan Lee, you want an autograph? That's the time. Check out ricomiccon.com. Just want yeah. to throw that out there. But yes, uh, at the Canada's 2016 Fan Expo, uh, there was a question and answer with both Kevin Conroy, who voices Batman in Batman the Animated Series, and Mark Hamill. We all know him, the Joker. Um, basically, the final question was asked whether they were finished with the characters and where they would love to go next. So after they both gave an enthusiastic no, they said, no, we're not done with the characters. They kind of went back and forth, uh, you know, a little bit uh, sarcastically. And Conroy turned to Hamill saying, uh, what do you think about doing Hush? Which dropped, a, you know, garnered a, a huge cheer from the crowd. Hamill then went up to him and said, what do you think about doing a death in the family? And as the article reads, the the Response was very positive. Huge round of applause. Fans wanted to see this happen. I don't know if it's a rumor because they were just hinting. Maybe they were just postu- postulating on what it could be. But um, what do you think? Uh, now, I don't know if you've, you've read the Hush storyline, but have you read a Death in the Family storyline? Or are you? Okay, no. so so awesome. Okay, I haven't had a chance to read it. No, no. So it's the, both of these stories are awesome. So one is a, a classic story, which you may have heard. A Death in the Family deals with uh, the death of the second Robin, Jason Todd. So basically, it was left up to uh, voters. They could call in on this this number and vote whether to kill or save him. And by a small margin, I believe, he was voted to be killed. So that was the death of the second Robin. Um, Death in the Family was a great storyline because it affected Batman 
so much so that he didn't take another Robin until Tim Drake decided to mm-hmm. come in and basically saying Batman needs a Robin. He ended up figuring out Batman's secret identity as well as Dick Grayson as the initial Robin. Dick Grayson was Nightwing at this time, and, and Tim Drake wanted Nightwing to become Robin again, where instead Tim Drake became the third Robin. So I don't know if that part's going to be in the, in the Death of the Family, but it's going to definitely, it could end on a very sour note with uh, Jason Todd being killed. So spoiler alert, but if you haven't read that story yet, it's like over 25 years old. Um, the Hush storyline is very cool too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, inked, uh, penciled rather by Jim Lee, who's one of my favorite artists, but it basically has a who's who of the Batman rogues gallery, Batman fighting every single rogue one by one. And it's a 12 issue arc. And each issue pretty much focuses on a different rogue. And it's all masterminded by a character called Hush. It happened probably over 15 years ago, so I'm not going to necessarily spoil it. Or it might have been more of 10 years ago, but I still don't want to spoil it in case you read it or you haven't read it. But check it out. That's a great story as well. But the art is fantastic, and the writing is also amazing for that storyline, personally, in my opinion. So that's piece number one. But piece 1A that actually dropped and was uh, confirmed today from uh, comic book resources, actually via the Wall Street Journal, Joe Manganello was indeed the actor in the Deathstroke armor in the video that Ben Affleck shared a couple weeks back. So basically, there's a solo Ben Affleck Batman movie coming out, and he was fighting Deathstroke, and it looks like that Joe Manganello is going to be uh, Deathstroke. So that's he confirmed. Uh, uh, it was confirmed today uh, during a recent news interview, but it was actually confirmed today as a, as a Thursday when I was at lunch, and I looked it up. I said, I should throw this into the uh, agenda real quick. So the cool thing about that is he was on True Blood. I don't, I've never watched True I Blood. i never watched True Blood either. Okay. He was in Magic Mike. Would you, you watch? Uh, you uh, damn it, that was that my movie. joke. I was going to say you saw that. And Pee Wee's Big Holiday. He was great in Magic Mike, by the way. But he's no stranger to comic book adaptations. He about just about 15 years ago, he played Flash Thompson in the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey yep. Maguire. So that was kind of uh, the Sam Raimi version. So that's kind of cool. He played he played the bully. And then in the comics, Flash eventually becomes Venom. Mm-hmm. They yep. never reached to that, but that's pretty cool. So uh, and have you seen any of Arrow at all? Not not since season one. OK, so, season far one. so but, you know, you met Slade Wilson. Yep. In season one, yep. played by Manu Bennett, who eventually becomes Deathstroke. Yep. So I think it's kind of cool. They they both look very similar, similar facial features, similar facial hair. Yep. So I think they're kind of like taking a nod from the TV show with Manu Bennett, and then they're kind of just uh, casting Joe Manganiello as the new Deathstroke. So I'm I'm on board with that. I know they're trying to keep the TV and movie universes separate, so I, I'm all for that casting choice. I don't know. How you feel I, about I that? think DC should merge their uh, TV and movie universe. I think it would lighten up their their movie universe a bit. I agree, but I think there could also fall flat in their face because they're different. There's mechanisms in place yeah. to let that happen. Um, season two of the Flash spoiler spoiler if you haven't seen. Actually, it's even season one. But uh, at the end of season one of the Flash, he basically goes back in time to try to save his mom. And as he's going through the Speed Force, he sees flashes. No pun intended of the original 1990s Flash series, a couple other different, you know, potential, you know, the Supergirl series. So there's a rumor going around that basically all these universes exist within one. It's just different iterations. It's a different Earth, if you will. Um, So the movie universe, like theoretically, Gotham isn't connected to the DC properties on the CW, but maybe that's one of the Earths 
in the Flash universe that he could travel to and eventually get to that universe where Gotham is the only CW esque show yeah. or not not CW DC esque show on TV. Um, so there's there's tons of different things you can do with that. So piece number two happens to uh, mention Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is just something special I want to throw in that uh, we all love Groot from Everybody Guardians loves of the Galaxy. Groot. So we know he only has one line, but the scripts for Vin Diesel actually say what Groot should be saying, and then Vin Diesel changes the inflection of his voice to reference what the script should be. We should do a show like that sometime. Where we just say, I am Groot. Or just one of us says, I am Groot. Because that would get so many more <laughs> listeners. How many people <laughs> would, would just click the pause button and close the app <laughs> down? If Actually, you know what? I could do that. You could say, I am Groot all the time. I'd be, I'd be, I have no problem with that. Neither would I. <laughs> so that's just piece number two. Um, but James Gunn, the director, uh, put out a tweet recently where, where somebody asked, how is Vin Diesel going to voice this kid Groot in the sequel? Wouldn't his heavy voice sound odd on it? And James Gunn replied, simply because I'm getting asked this question more than any other, he responded, you don't think that the guy who plays Homer Simpson talks like that all the time, do you? Vin is an actor capable of doing all sorts of voices. So basically saying is he might just change his voice up a little bit to do the I Am Groot. If it's going to be Baby Groot. It's not his first run in, right. in, in doing voices, so he's done a lot of them, hasn't he? Iron yeah, Giant and I mean, some others. But that's the thing. Like People think it's, he just has one one mode, like no. Vin Diesel, deep voice, yeah. I Groot. You know, that, plus, they can do edits to it. They can do stuff in post. They can change it. They can clean it up. You know, the, uh, Dan Castanello, who does Homer Simpson's Hey, he's got to earn that money, that big paycheck. Right, exactly. He's got to... Well, yeah, changing <laughs> your voice a little bit sure, certainly <laughs> justifies that huge... Pay. But I'm saying, even the voices of The Simpsons, they even though they do the voice, it still goes to post, yep. and they have to edit and, and clean it up a little bit. So they can do the same thing with... With Vin Diesel, so I'm not worried about that. Piece number three. It's a TV show we haven't really talked about on the podcast. We want to do specific episodes eventually coming yep. down the pipeline as this, the new season gets closer, but one of our other mutual favorite shows, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Um, there's a rumor going around that Murder, She Wrote star Angela Lansbury is in talks to join season seven of HBO's cornerstone series, Game of Thrones. The rumor posits that Lansbury will be on set for four days in order to film scenes for two episodes in the abbreviated season. So, KB, do you have any idea of who she could be playing? I, I never read the books, so I, I don't know of any characters that I might be missing. I have a great idea. What if she's there uh, to find King Robert Baratheon's real murderer? She just shows up <laughs> as her character for Murder, She Wrote, and just solves... The true murder. I, I'm surprised she's young, young, still young enough to really be in this kind of. Thing, well, you know? I mean, even Marjorie's grandmother is like that actress. I don't know That's her name. True. God forgive yeah. me, but she's she's amazing. Yeah. Actress, oh no, she's, she's amazing. She's pretty old. So either that, or maybe maybe um, one of the characters will be drinking out of a teapot, and the teapot will be like, "Is that one lump or two? Yeah. Like when was that the was last a, time Angela Lansbury <laughs> was was right over his head? When was the last time Angela Lansbury was in anything? I. Murder, murder she wrote no probably beauty and the beast oh that's right what about so that i don't know that's why i said one lump or two she'll be the teapot yep, but you totally right. missed that joke i forgot about that so that's something to look forward to if that rumor holds true so i'm really excited for that and then finally our fourth piece i just want to and i'll throw this picture up on our facebook page um but via what's the source here comic book resources has a uh, leaked 
uh, set photos from the new Spider-Man Homecoming flick, which apparently show the Shocker and the costume for the Shocker. So I'm looking at this, and it doesn't look at all like it does in the comics. I don't know. KB, how do you feel about this? I, I, I don't... I don't know. I, I this black and white copy. I yeah, can't it's see it's a black and white copy. We uh, we'll put the photo up. Yeah. but I will say this. It, look, I will say it looks this. like grimy and dirty. And it does, but I'll say this: I have not lost faith in Marvel yet. Yep. For all the movies they've done, if this is what they're going for, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Because hey, I even like the Power Ranger outfit that um, Green Goblin had in the Tobey Maguire. Like, I everybody was up in arms about that. I didn't mind that so much. We still have to keep in mind that Marvel doesn't have full control. Right, but they're they're gonna so. be they're essentially going to be like um, consultants for yeah. this movie. But so they still don't have full control. So. Right, but if if they have any if if Sony had any idea of what they were doing, of course they give Marvel like everything they would give for note. Marvel Last Fantastic Four movie, and you're but saying Marvel, they have an idea. Marvel, okay, but Mar- and that, <laughs> but that, no, that that was Fox. That's, that's Fox. That's Fox. And secondly, Marvel had nothing to do with that. Yeah, like so, I'm 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 confident that Marvel will. Give the necessary notes to Sony, and Sony yeah. will work hand in hand with Marvel to put the best movie forward. Because well, the, the Sony Spider-Man movies weren't weren't, weren't that bad. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies weren't great. Were, Emma I mean, Stone was good in it, but Electro, Jamie Foxx's Electro, I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't get on board with that. Um, even and then Spider-Man Three with Tobey Maguire and and uh, no, I, no, Eric I, for Eric Foreman. No, that, no, that no, thank like, you. Um, but they weren't horrible. Is what I'm saying. They weren't like Batman, Superman, horrible, or like raindrops keep falling on my head when he was dancing to that emo Peter Parker. Emo That's all I gotta say. <laughs> it's not that bad. That was horrible. Anyway, so those are our pieces for news. You liked uh, it. Stop lying. Say that again. <laughs> you liked it. Stop lying. I yeah, I loved it. That's my favorite scene of any comic book movie <laughs> at all of all time is Peter Parker being. Okay, all what about emo. the second one though? Second one was a great piece of work. That's what I'm Dr. saying. Octopus, like, that they're was they're not they're not uh, totally the, they're not totally incapable is my point. That was the best Spider-Man yeah. movie out of all of them. Yeah. If I had to, it'd be Spider-Man Two with Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus. It'd probably go Spider-Man One with um, who played Green Goblin. Uh, I can't think of can't the guy's think of his name either. But you know, Power Ranger Green Goblin. Then Amazing Spider-Man with the Lizard. Yep. Then ugh, toss up between Spider-Man Three and Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll even give the nod to Amazing Spider-Man Two. Despite the horrible, horrible Electro Emma Jamie Stone. Fox, Emma Stone and the fact that they yeah. killed off Gwen Stacy, similar to what they did. They had in the, the balls comics, to do it in the movies. I, I was yeah. so appreciative of that. Yep. So Spider-Man 3 with uh, Venom, a.k.a. Eric Foreman, and Sandman being the murderer of Uncle Ben, which is great. Um, that's the bottom of my list for that. Yeah. That's a that's a countdown within a countdown. We just <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> we just ranked our Spider-Man movies. Well, with that being said, we're going to take some words from our sponsors and come back and get into the actual final countdown. Be back right after this. Are you ready to upgrade your office space or living area for an affordable price? Stop by Pachico's Furniture, where you can expect a delightful shopping experience, all while saving you some of your hard-earned money. Pachico's Furniture specializes in used furniture, antiques, jewelry, electronics, video games, Blu-ray, DVD, musical instruments, and much, much more. Whether buying or selling, we strive on being Fall River's finest second-hand store. 
Pachico's Furniture is a family-owned and operated business located on 663 Bedford Street, formerly Billy's Cafe, in Fall River, Massachusetts. Come on by. You'll be pleasantly surprised. And welcome back to Free Your Geek. Um, I was going to play a song in the break, or not even a song, but a little clip that I ripped. But I wanted to have the mics on and listen to KB. Uh, I want to see if he reacts to this at all. But KB, you and I have seen Captain America Mm -hmm. Civil War. Do you know that there is a late night talk show host named Jimmy Kimmel? Mm-hmm. Do you know that Kimmel does unnecessary censorship videos? I seen something about this. Did you, did you watch the video? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch okay. it. Okay, I, I took I've heard some. About I this. took some of the best pieces out. Yep. And basically, for those that haven't seen Civil War, I'd skip about two minutes forward at this point. Um, but for those that have seen Civil War and remember certain scenes, enjoy this unnecessary censorship. You have a medal. That is awesome, dude. Mr. Lang? <laughs> it's an honor. I'm shaking your too long. Wow, this is awesome. Captain America. You too. You're great. You guys know I can things with my mind, right? Move. Or you will be <laughs> As entertaining as that would be. This isn't going to change what happened. I don't care. He my mom. Ah, uh, look, I want to say, I know he a lot of super people, so thanks for f-ing me. Hey, man. <laughs> What's up, Tic Tac? Uh, good to see you. Look, what happened last time? It was a I- great, but it'll it'll never happen again. I just want to make sure we consider all our options. The people that you usually wind up at me. So that's just some <laughs> unnecessary censorship. Um, there's a, the full video which you can find online. I just took some of my favorite parts from it. But I, I just think I love those things. And the video that accompanies it, when uh, Scott Lang, a.k.a. Paul Rudd, says, I'm shaking your hand too long, they actually show um, the pixelated images around their crotches. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, you should definitely check that out. So, KB, thoughts on that? No, it's hilarious. Okay. Jimmy Kimmel is always hilarious. I, 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 love, I love his unnecessary censorship. But speaking of things that are unnecessary... We're going to go into something now that is necessary because it happens on every single podcast. And that's a little something we like to call the final countdown. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. countdown And the topic... For this episode's final countdown in honor of KB being married, and I said honor as a pun, we are doing the top five, I believe. Yeah, let's top five. five comic book couples. I'm already gonna let you know that I cheated and I have seven, so I have two honorable mentions. Oh, I can throw some honorable mentions in Perfect. there. Perfect. So let's do KB. Let's do your honorable mentions first. Then we'll go to me, and then we'll start with five and go all the way down to one. Um. You'd probably be surprised at some of my honorable mentions. So we'll do two honorable mentions, right? Sure. Go okay. to. So um, p- p- people probably kill me for this one for being an honorable mention. But this was a very hard one to do. This was very difficult. Joker and Harley Quinn is in my honorable mentions. Uh, so people might give me give me shit for that. Oh, but I'm going to right yeah, now. That's, yeah. So what are your before we even get in further into the reasoning for that? Do you have any criteria of why you're putting these couples together? Are we talking about love? Are we talking about um, just the the both of the characteristics, the personalities? Or are we talking something? A little I bit thought different? about this from a different perspective, maybe than you did. 
I thought about it more from a commitment level. Okay, so you're so how committed the characters are to each other, and and you're picking Joker and Harley Quinn. That's a little one sided, bro. No, that's why they're my honorable mentions. They're oh. not, that's what I'm saying. Like that's why. So they they're good couples, but most my couples that are in my countdown are more the couples that have better relationships. I was just gonna just say I, I want to before you get into the reasoning. I have a, uh, a co-worker. We have a co-worker. You don't yep. know her, but uh, I'm friends with her. And uh, she heard about this topic. She was very interested. She's like, I'll definitely be listening to the show. And she goes, Joker and Harley Quinn better not be on your list. And I said, no, I, they would never be on my list. I can't speak for KB. And lo and behold, <laughs> granted, it's an honorable mention. So I'll, I'll let that slide. But please tell me why. Tell me tell me your reasonings. Um, I, I just think that, um, you know, they are just one of the most popular, the most one of the more popular couples in the DC universe, first and foremost. Um, so if you're thinking of a power couple, I mean, everybody kind of thinks of them. And I know maybe some people are like, oh, they should be on the list or you know, they shouldn't should or should not be on the list. I mean, that's that's debatable. Um, I, I think a lot of people probably <laughs> say no, because, you know, the Joker is kind of an abusive relationship. But the infatuation that Harley Quinn has with, um, you know, with him and the fact that she kind of does any, anything for him um, can kind of speak to realism and some things that really go on in relationships, that they're not all peachy, that they're not all perfect. Um, so, yeah, so I, 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 that's just kind of why she's on my list. It's, it's a different kind of relationship than what we see in most comic book, you know, with most comic book characters. I can see that. Yep. All right, cool. My yeah. other one, yeah, go for it. Is uh, just Batman and Catwoman. Okay. Uh, reason thing, the reason why I have them as honorable mention and not, I don't feel like they're always an actual couple. I feel like because they're 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 sexual tension and their their way of going about each other isn't exactly a couple, but it's strong enough and the bond is strong enough where we see them as a couple. That's very interesting, and we'll get back to that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my just for my reasonings or or. or my criteria, I was just saying, which characters do I see when I either read or watch them on you know, different media, whether it be cartoons or movies or whatnot, because they are comic book characters. That's, that's my criteria. Yep. They have to be in comic books, because I was going to pick uh, Leia and Han Solo, even yep. though technically there's a Star Wars comic. I'm like, that's not really comic-based. So they have to be comic books, and I have to just enjoy the interaction between the two of them it can be you know they don't necessarily have to be a committed couple uh they can just be you know random hookups or casual that's my criteria so my two honorable mentions first and foremost we're gonna go with batgirl and nightwing i thought of that one too so that's a good one when i was younger robin the dick, dick grayson version of robin was my favorite comic book character um, and I just loved the playfulness, the, like the, just the general. It was like very innocent flirting. It's young both, love, right? And it's just you know, I thought that was really really cool. Just the way they would flirt with each other is very innocent. Um, and then you know, as he became Nightwing and he created the Teen Titans, he kind of had a tryst and a relationship with Starfire. Yep. And he ended up breaking up with you know Batgirl. another fun girl. I'm not touching that with a ten foot <laughs> pole. I am a feminist. I am not going to say anything about Starfire. It was back in the '80s, so. Um, then what happened was, you know, they, they've kind of had back and forth with their relationship and then the killing joke happened and yep. Barbara Gordon was paralyzed and became Oracle. And then there were, there are many great stories between the two of them where, uh, and I remember this one vividly, like because she's paralyzed, he takes her to the circus and he does a trapeze act with her to kind of like, you know, remember like how it was it's like to kind of swinging through. Swing yeah. And, uh, and it was just, it was a really emotional, you know, th now they're a little bit. Uh, more adult and, and mature 
and you know the the ill feelings of when he cheated on her or broke up with her for Starfire. This kind of water under the bridge. They've they've kind of rekindled a friendship and almost a respect. And then you know there's the, also that thought that they were kind of back into each other and going to start dating each other again. And uh, yeah, that that scene, that book, that story, just kind of like I really, it's a really emotional, if you will, if it, as much as a, a story can be. Yeah. Um, my second. Second honorable mention might be a shock to you. Okay. Superman and Lois Lane. I didn't. They didn't even crack my top five. Um, I really liked them together as far as comic book characters yep. because Lois has grown from the damsel in distress as she was when you know this the comic was first created and her character was so practically a hero. Something yeah. that Superman, someone who Superman needed to save. Yeah. It was a plot device. Which again, I think that's where Batman versus yep. Superman where it aggravated me, because Lois has become a headstrong. Yes, she gets herself into trouble, but it's not out of stupidity. It's because she's so damn good at her job. She's not going to take no for an answer. She's going to go in and get the truth and get that story. And sometimes that puts her in you know certain situations where she needs to be rescued. But it's not like oh me, I made a mistake. It's no, I know you're lying. I'm going to keep pushing that button until you. Tell me the truth, and then she gets in the hot water, and then Superman has to save her. And I think that the two of them together, especially with them, you know, in his civilian identity as Clark Kent, them being together with being like kind of like dueling reporters, where they have that like almost like a little rivalry between them. I think is very very cool too. And then that that work partnership, it's almost like real life scenario. You have two coworkers, they work alongside each other, they grow to admire yeah. and respect each other, and then they get married. Now, granted, the new 52 wiped all that away, but Rebirth is kind of bringing that old Superman and Lois who are married and have a son back to the forefront. So that's why they're on my honorable mentions. But now we're going to leave those behind, and we're going to go from the honorable mentions to our top five. And starting with number five, KB, what do you got? Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Awesome, awesome pairing. I did not have that on my list, but tell me a little bit why you like them. I like them because their relationship is kind of like you just said – well, actually, it's more than what you just said. They build very slowly, like what you said about Clark Kent and Superman, uh, Clark Kent and um, Lois Lane. Um, but their their relationship, it's like they start off as just kind of like friends, and then they take the relationship to that next level of like, okay, we're in a relationship, and then they go on to be married, and then they always have each other's back, and then they always, and then they have their their daughter, um, you know, and she becomes Power Woman, in in homage to him Mm -hmm. um and despite being like upset with him about always being in like being a superhero and kind of pushing her to be a superhero um she's upset with him but she also applauds him at the same time so i i just feel like they had that's like a a very committed woman to 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 this guy um who just cares about her so deeply so um you just see a lot of commitment there and I'm, i'm so happy about the netflix doing what they're doing with those characters to kind of see them um, in real life and the defenders coming and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, I love that. Like Jessica Jones is probably. Yeah. I mean, I love the Daredevil series. Jessica Jones is really good. Uh, just real quick, not to throw too much of a monkey wrench into this. Um, I read a report on one of my uh, websites that I visit frequently, like this news site. They've seen the first seven episodes of the Luke Cage series, and yeah. they say it's amazing. Good. So um, I just wanted to point point that out there. Um, but. Yes, I, I kind of the only thing I don't like about the Netflix series is I think they rushed into the physical aspects of their relationship. Yeah, it should have taken a little longer. Yeah, but uh, no. So that's my number five. Excellent. That's a great pick. My number five. We're gonna go with 
and this is a shout out to Kate uh, that I work with. Green Arrow and Black Canary. Uh, very flirtatious in the comic books toward mm-hmm. each other to start off. Uh, they were partners turned lovers. Black Canary, uh, there's a big storyline that went out years and years ago with uh, Roy Harper, Speedy, also known as Arsenal and Red Arrow, uh, had a heroin addiction. And Black Canary mm-hmm. was one of his, like, uh, the one that helped him get through it pretty much. Um, the cool thing I like about this is this shows more of a relationship that basically started off very flirtatious, turned physical. They got married. Mm-hmm. They got married in the comic books. But then a character, a villain by the name of Prometheus, destroys Star City and plants a bomb and it explodes. And Roy Harper's daughter is killed in the bombing. And Green Arrow is so distraught, he actually tricks the Justice League to let Prometheus out. He hunts him down and puts an arrow in between his eyes. Then he starts hunting all the accomplices that helped Prometheus blow up Star City. And because he crossed such a line, Black Canary was so shocked, she declared that marriage over and gave him back his ring. Uh Uh-huh. Fast forward to the new 52, where it's like, oh, Black Canary and Arrow? Yeah, they've never together. Never, none of that ever happened. They've never even interacted with each other, which sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm really pissed about that. But again, like I mentioned before. Just like all was forgiven because of the new 52. Superman and Lewi- yeah. Lois Lane, because of, because of the, new, the new 52 yeah. erased that. Well, now with Rebirth, it looks like they're trying to course correct the Black Canary and yep. Green Arrow relationship. So I'm very excited to see where that goes with Rebirth. So that's my number five, Green Arrow and Black Canary. Cool, cool. Uh, my number four, Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters. Another great pick. I was thinking about that. Not on my list. Yep. Um, I just think this relationship is just so unique in the fact that you know she's a blind sculptor, and she picks him up. You know, so she, you know, she just appreciates him for him. Um, you know, and and he just she just keeps him keeps him motivated and keeps him moving. Um, I know in the comic she's also kind of been sort of a hero herself, saving the world a few times and things like that. Um, but just the commitment that these two have had, I mean, and, and their story goes back all the way, I think, up to uh, what Fantastic Four, like number eight or something like that. Their story goes way back, um, and there's been so many, you know, retellings of their, their stories. Um, but again, I just think it's the, the sweetness of her, you know, because I know like she's, you know, she's felt his face and his skin and and doesn't, uh, you know, think twice about, uh, you know, what he is on the outside. Um, and that's something that uh, Ben Grimm seems to need <laughs> uh, from time to time. Um, so. So, yeah. So I think that that's just, you know, really identifies a, a great couple that's just really there for each other. I think that's kind of cool, too, because it's it's also like a um, a metaphor for she's blind. Yep. So it's more about the character of his person than what he yeah, looks like. exactly. And that's, that's really, really cool. Exactly. And, and that's what love's really all about. So that's why they, they kind of had to be on the list. I love it. I yep. love it. That's my number four. My number four is from one of my favorite teams growing up, the X-Men. It's a couple by the name of Cyclops and Jean Grey. <sighs> is it on your list? No. Oh, okay. I thought you were getting very I, I was thinking about them, okay. so... So here's what I like about them. They've known each other going back to the whole Nightwing and, and Barbara Gordon. They were both young students of Xavier when they were mm-hmm. 16 years old. They grew up together. They, had cr- they both had crushes on each other, more Cyclops on Jean than vice versa. But there were other rivals for her affection. Warren Worthington, Angel, mm-hmm. was into her. Henry McCoy was into her at one point. Then as they grew older and Wolverine joined the team, they always had a connection. But she never strayed from Cyclops yep. once she was in a relationship with him. Um, even Xavier, Professor Xavier, during the Onslaught series, showed memories of Xavier 
pining after Jean Grey when she was one of his students, and that's super creepy. <laughs> and b- despite all that, she kept like her character. She kept her cool, and her and Cyclops had a very, very unique relationship. They even talk about the psychic connection between the two of them. Uh, almost oh, that w- is that almost as bad as uh, Wolverine s- Wolverine staring her down in the uh, Apocalypse movie <laughs> when he comes out as Weapon X. Yeah, that's th- yeah. So. Y- it's a little skeevy. Yeah, it's it's not as creepy because yeah. it's it's it shows the the onslaught thing is onslaught is and I don't know if you know this and if you haven't read it it's it's kind of old hat at this point but it's the memories of Charles Xavier and Magneto combined. Yeah. He mind wiped Magneto and then the dark per- aspects of Magneto's personality overtook Charles' brain, created a entity onslaught yada yada yada. So it had access to Xavier's memories and it showed Jean Grey that he was pining after her when she was a student, like 17, 18 years old. And that's that's wicked skeevy. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. Not as creepy. Eh, it's, I think it's on par with Weapon X breaking out in Age of Apocalypse and yeah. and staring at Sophie Turner. But, I mean, at the same time, Sophie Turner was 18 when she filmed it or 19. So if, if the ages are similar, she's still technically an adult. <laughs> so it's not as skeevy, I guess, but it's still kind of skeevy. Um, anyway, they have Jean Grey and Cyclops. Let's get back to them. They have this psychic tether together. They have this psychic rapport between each other. So they got married, right, in the comic books. Then, not only do they have an awesome coupling, their children are awesome. From a potential timeline, they have Phoenix, a.k.a. Rachel Gray, a.k.a. Rachel Summers, who was also one of the main characters of the Days of Future Past comic book storyline. She played the Hound. Then another awesome character who we're probably going to see in the second Deadpool movie, mm-hmm. Cable, is there is essentially Cyclops' son, but it's Jean Grey's clone. So I don't know if that counts, okay. but basically what happened is after Jean Grey died, quote unquote, uh, during the Phoenix saga, a girl that looked very similar to her started a relationship with Cyclops. Come to find out her name was Madeline Pryor. She was a clone created by Mr. Sinister because he believes that both their bloodlines are so pure they could make an omnipotent mu- mutant who could actually kill Apocalypse, which was his M.O. at the time. So Nathan Summers was born to Cyclops and Jean Grey's clone. Bring him to the future because he gets infected with a the virus. They clone him. And he is Cable with the techno-organic virus, and his clone becomes Strife, who, again, led to another great uh, series and, and arc called Executioner's Song, which is really great. You should check that out. But then, let's fast forward a little bit further. This is how real of a relationship it is, as real as a relationship in comic books can be. Cyclops is almost possessed by Apocalypse. After Apocalypse is expelled from his body, he has these very like dark thoughts that he, he doesn't feel like he can share with his wife. Because he thinks his wife would look down on him for this. So lo and behold, here comes Emma Frost, the White Queen. And she's basically playing psychiatrist to him. And they basically have these psychic sessions of psychological analysis. Turns into a psychic affair. Hmm. And him and Jean Grey (laughs) end up, their marriage ends up falling apart because of this. So again, it's a very... It's a real in an unreal world type of thing. Like, you know, marriages start off strong. People are like so in love and there's nothing. And then it just takes that one little thing to destroy a marriage and somebody gives in. So it's a real relationship that could theoretically happen in real life, except for, you know, all the mutant powers and psychic, you know, affairs and stuff like that. But it's something that could essentially have an effect in real life. So that's my number four, Jean Grey and Cyclops. KB, number three. Number three, I'm going a little bit different here. Rick and Andrea from The Walking Dead. 
Excellent. No, this is good because I was thinking about including that because in the TV show, Andrea's dead. But in the comics, she's a huge part of the comics. She is. So that's interesting. I'm curious to see where yeah. they go. So, um, so spoiler alert, if people haven't read the comics. I mean, it's been out for a while now, but, you know, some people may be trying to get into that. Um, so as we, as Jeffrey just said, uh, you know, Laurie in the show is dead and so is Andrea. And now, right now, his love interest appears to be Michonne. But in the comic books, it's a totally different world. Um, Andrea is, I, I see in the comic books, Andrea is almost as equal a survivor as Rick. Andrea goes through a lot of things in the comic books that um, kind of put her up there. And, and what they have in common is that they're a survivor and that they're strong. Um, there is a part in um, <clears throat> Alexander, Alexandra in the Watchtower, because Andrea was, ended up being a sniper in Alexandria at some point. And Andrea pretty much <laughs> fights to the death uh, with some guy in the tower and falls out and, and just a fighter. And she survives the whole thing. Um, but her and Rick play well off each other. They, they have the same ideas in the comics, um, almost like reading each other's minds. Um, so th they just have each other's back at all times. So if Rick's not around, it's kind of like Andrea is the next person in charge. Um, she supports him um with with a lot of things and she kind of says hey she's the one that says rick like the conscious like it's not your fault you know people that die around you it's not because of you it's just what's happening um so she's very good with that with him um also she um is a big part in like uniting the communities during the the, the um the uh, all-out war part of the uh, comics um because I'm trying not to give too much away in the comics. Right, because that's... Because that there's a lot of stuff of, of that could Negan. be in the show. There's a lot of Negan stuff. Right. So in the show, we've only reached yep. the introduction of Negan. So we're around issue 100, roughly. Yeah. When the new season starts, where right now, issue 158 just came out. Yep. So, we're so about it's a little three, ahead. Yeah, it's about three and a half years ahead, uh, comic book-wise, of where the show so, is. So, so, so what I will add is that in she's to a point now in the comics where she's basically Rick's wife and, um, and Carl's mother. You know, so Carl calls him mom. Uh, you know, Rick, Rick, Rick uh, trusts her with everything. Uh, she helps run the communities. Um, she's as tough as nails. Um, you know, so she's kind of everything that Rick is. And she, uh, you know, they, they just play off each other really well. And they got each other's back. And, um, you know, it, it's it's because we always think of Glenn and Maggie as the power couple. But remember, in the comic books, Glenn is dead. So. So, OK, again, spoiler alert. I mean. The comic's been out. Doesn't mean the yeah. show is gonna. Well, we've said it on the that. show a few times before, so. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so um, so yeah, so they're my number three. Excellent, good pick, KB. Good pick, KB. I want to say though, uh, one fifty-eight just dropped. Yeah. As I mentioned, uh, it dropped yesterday. Last. Uh, I read on the. I read the trades, so mine should okay. be coming out soon. Let me just say this: I won't. I won't spoil it for you. Then, um, I tweeted about it. Yeah. Uh, on for your geek on Twitter, probably the most gruesome death since episode one hundred. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil who it is. Cool. But check it out. Uh, I don't think too many people will be upset by the character that goes. Yep. But I also think it's a very gruesome death the way it was handled. So check that out if you're a fan of The Walking Dead comic. But my number three. Well, we're going to go into a little audio portion. Aunt May, you're an evil mastermind. Just answer the door, dear. You mean your Mary Jane Watson? <laughs> Face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. My number three pick. Where is that from? That's from a cartoon <laughs> called The Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, I don't know what it, uh, ch what channel it aired on, but uh, it's, I found that clip online. It's from one of the cartoons. 
And my number three pick, Spider-Man and Mary Jane. I'm sorry, I can't get over that clip. <laughs> you like you want you want me to play it again? No, no, I'm just kind of. I, I don't believe you where you got it from. I'll, I'll show. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you why. Because because you think it sounds like a pornographic movie. Is that what you're trying to? It would to? surprise me. No, no, I don't watch superhero <laughs> porn from the Marvel side. Okay, only the DC. Yes, side. There's, there's tons of good Batman and, and Harley Quinn ones. No. Point being, sp- stop. Why are you throwing me off my game? Spider Man, uh, Mary Jane, my number three pick. I love this couple together. There's a lot of purists that love Spider Man and Gwen Stacy. And, you know, they're okay, but those characters are too similar with their interest. Mary Jane and Spider Man are like oil and water, but somehow they make it work. You know, start off, Peter is dating Gwen Stacy. Mary Jane was dating Harry Osborne. She was a crazy party girl. Um, after Gwen died at the hands of Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, Mary Jane matured a little bit. She was a supportive friend to Spider-Man or to Peter Parker. And then once she found out that he was Spider-Man, she supported that decision. But that friendship then turned to love. And after a couple of times of him proposing, she finally said yes, settled down. And I just think it's a, it's, you know, it's a little out there, but I just think it's really cool that you got this super nerdy dude that's into science mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, and he gets a supermodel. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like my number four with Cyclops being, you know, kind of a nerdy Boy Scout type thing, and he's got this gorgeous statuesque, you know, model of Jean. Awkward. Gray. It's just yeah, yeah. He, you know, and it's Peter Parker, very awkward, very nerdy, but he's got this gorgeous woman who's an actress and a model, and she sees him for his character, not necessarily his interests and nerdiness. She's like, "You're a good person with a good heart." That's and how I got my wife. There you go. Well, I'm not going to dispute that fact, KD. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's an old adage that you're either a settler or a reacher when it comes to relationships, yep. and this is no offense to you. Your wife is definitely the settler. And you're, you're, <laughs> you're the reacher. So um, congratulations, KB. That's all I'm going to say to that. Thank you. So that's my number three. Moving on to number two. Number two, uh, one of your honorable mentions, Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Go for it. I love it. I, I just think with Clark Kent and Lois Lane... I mean, this story, another story kind of like the Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters has been told a million times different ways. Um, I, I like all, I like like seeing her like in, in the movies where she, you know, she doesn't know he's Superman and then she knows, he, like that part always intrigues me is how she finds out that he's Superman. Um, it, it always seems like it's very slow and they build on it a little bit. Like I always feel like, oh, it's like hinted, hinted, hinted. And then it's always like, oh, hey, Superman. Um, and then like you say, now she turns into the, 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 the stronger, her character has progressed so much over the years. She's now that that strong character. I think they they play well off each other because Superman's always out for justice and the right thing to do, and Lois Lane's always out for the truth, and those things kind of go hand in hand. Um, now I I haven't. It's hard to read all of Superman. Um, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of history in Superman, but so maybe maybe Jay Free can answer my question. Has there ever been a, a has there ever been a story? where they may have disagreed because Lois found oh. a truth that Superman didn't really like? I'm sure. I mean, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But, yeah, their their relationship, as far as reporting goes, when as Clark Kent and Lois, were always, like, there's a lot of friction there sometimes, yeah. specifically more between before they actually... Because they don't do a lot of friction in the movies, or they hadn't, I don't no, think. No, but I, so. think, I think they kind of, like, segue into more of the relationship yep. aspect. This is, you know, probably more, it happened a lot more before... They were in a relationship, whether it be in the TV show yep. or, or the comics or the movies. Like, perfect example is if you think back to the old Lois and Clark uh, ABC yep. series with Terry Hatcher, who is my favorite Lois Lane of all time. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe the Smallville, Erica Durant. It's neck and neck. But 
they were very had adverse they were very back mm-hmm. and forth but it was more still always like flirtatious yep. rivalry where they'd go back and forth and she'd be you know she'd want her name first on the byline yeah he'd want his, I forgot to mention that or he'd like he'd like scoop her on a story yep. and she'd be upset so there was stuff like that where there'd be some conflict but I don't think it was ever like a major truth or a right, major right yeah that's just Superman's too good of a guy and yeah he, he's he's let bygones be bygones he's Superman he's got all the power in the world let him yeah. Let her have the the credit for some of this stuff, man. But that that's you know that that's kind of my idea of a power couple, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that uh, it's just so kind of again always there for each other and just um, you know makes it work. And they're two totally different people, but they kind of do, they kind of what I say, kind of have some similar values. Right. So that they they have different personalities, but the the things that they 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 have different reflective personalities, but what they share in common is extremely. Powerful and binding between the yes, two. Yes, exactly. You read my mind. It's one of my mutant powers, dude. So, yep. So that's my number two. Well, in an uh, kind of a deja vu effort, my number two was also one of your honorable mentions. Okay. You can't know to a girl like me. Handsome, dazed, and to die for. Don't roll your eyes. Where do you get this stuff? Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Mm, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. That is from Batman Returns, the Tim Burton oh, version okay. with Michelle Pfeiffer playing Catwoman. Tim Burton, that's right. It does sound creepy. It's super creepy. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman and Mr. Mom himself, Michael Keaton. Was that your favorite Catwoman? No. Well, what was your favorite Catwoman? Uh, my favorite Catwoman was Julie Newmar in the 60s version. It's so yeah. over the top, but I just think like... It's the definition. Yeah, it's like it was over the top and it was very, you know, the perfect and all that like stuff. I mean, I like the Anne Hathaway version. I don't think they... You know what? I might change my answer. There is an animated flick called Year One, Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. And I believe she's voiced by Eliza Dushku, which mm-hmm. is probably the closest to Catwoman to the comics that there are. And mm-hmm. I, I like that one as well. Um, but my number two couple in comics, Batman and Catwoman, because, because, like the Paula Abdul says, two steps forward, two steps back. They go together because opposites attract. <laughs> Batman is a crime fighter. Catwoman is a cat burglar. Um, it's a really a literal game of cat and mouse with wings. Um, and like you said, it's more of a sexual relationship than a romantic mm-hmm. one. But I just think that speaks volumes to the type of person that Batman is as a character. Because we, we, we have this conversation, not you and I, but I have this conversation with multiple different people. And certain people say things just to get under my skin. But my general thought, and we don't, I don't want to get too much into it right now, but... Batman is who he is at his core. Bruce Wayne is the mask that he puts on. He pretends to date all these girls and live this playboy lifestyle, but none of that matters to him because his only thing that he wants to accomplish is fighting crime and and, and never letting anything uh, like what happened to him as a child happen to another child. That's his whole thing. He's fighting crime. He's not, you know, running his company. That's all a facade he puts on. That's the mask he wears. Batman is who he is at his core. Bruce Wayne is the mask. So what I like to think about that is the Catwoman relationship, other than Talia al Ghul, I think is the most real relationship he's ever had in his life. 
kind of because strange. everything else is you know it's it's he dates these women these supermodels these ballerinas whatever these dancers and it's it's more for show yeah it's not it's more to keep up the appearance that he's this playboy he's always got a new girlfriend and that's just to to keep up that facade and i just think that the Catwoman Catwoman gets him she understands who he is at his core where a lot of these other girls just seem to think of him as bruce wayne this millionaire playboy and he's not and that that's the furthest thing that is very few people know the real bruce wayne which in, in actuality to me is batman and mm-hmm. that's why i think the relationship between the two of them works so well so that's my number two batman and catwoman my number one i'm wondering if jay free and i have the same number one because we haven't we might. said this one yet so we, da, ma- da, we da. might hold on I'll, go ahead say it and then i'll let you know reed richards and sue storm not at all really we're totally different okay cool um so reed richards and sue in sue storm um, I just think that that is like it's like the first couple, right? I mean, who was before that? Maybe the X Men, Jean Grey and Psych- Man, it's close. No, it's close. Fantastic Four is the first family of Marvel, so yeah. I'd say either that. And I don't think Peter Parker really had a like. I don't know yeah. when he started dating Gwen, so I'd, I'd say it's probably because she was the Invisible Girl before she became the Invisible yeah. Woman. She was only his girlfriend at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, um, reason why I picked these two is that they are out of all the couples that I thought about. I look at them as equals in a lot of ways. Okay. Like, yeah, I know Reed Richards is a genius and, and, and all of that. Um, but I like when they are in the thick of things, it seems like they're equals. It's like Reed Richards, why he while he is kind of the leader of the Fantastic Four, I feel like they both kind of are on equal le- uh, equal level when it comes to the Fantastic Four well, and Sue, what goes on. Sue has led the Fantastic yes. Four at certain times when Reed was out or they had like a – uh, you know, a fill-in member or yep. whatever the case. She's been the leader at certain times. Yep. Like I think there was that boom in the '90s where they had that weird thing where they they put her like in a unitard and cut like a, a four yep. out of the suit and it showed her navel and she was like leading the Fantastic Four then, I believe. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, again, she's being sexualized at that time, but yeah, they're they're absolutely equals. But but they're they're equals, and so you know when they're when they're in combat, they're they're watching out for each other equally. But also, you know, she's very forgiving of him. And it's funny, a lot of times, like, I think, like, we've seen Reed Richards kind of be um, so caught up in his work. He's a dick. Yes, he's a dick. Um, but at the end of the day, he's trying to do the right thing. He's just a dick about what oh, he's absolutely. doing. And she understands that. So it's kind of like he needs her more. I, she, he probably needs her more than she needs him. I would agree with that. But, um, you know, but that's that's the point is that, you know, they're there for each other and, and they, they, they do very well together. Um, and I love the way now, now Jay, for you're aware of the current state of the Fantastic Four, correct? Uh, I know most of what's going on. Okay. Yes. So, so spoiler, if you haven't read it, Secret Wars basically changed everything. Kind of put the Fantastic Four, not ended, but on hold, basically. It's Disney with their power yes. move because Fox still, well, I don't know if, I, I think we talked about Fox may not have the. But at the time of Secret Wars, it right. was not. So, so the current situation of the Fantastic Four is Ben Grimm is with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, uh, Human Torch is with the Uncanny Avengers. And the Secret War storyline was Doctor Doom that basically, I'm not going to give all the details away, but basically became God and recreated all these different universes and timelines. And in the end, so huge spoiler alert, uh, Reed Richards and, and, and uh, Sue, Sue Storm, when they, um, when they finish it up, when they, <laughs> when they win, basically, they basically remake the universe. And so now they are essentially gods. They're in their own place. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not. I haven't caught up with any of that. Um, I'm gonna wait for like a lot of those trades to come out. Oh, sorry, Jay Free. No, it's I okay. No, that's good. Like, I'm more of a DC guy yeah. as we've talked about, but yeah, I am familiar with the the current like shakeup going on. Yeah, but I didn't know it to that that degree. Yeah, which is awesome. Sorry, that's pretty cool. That's good. Don't don't, <laughs> don't be sorry. So, but that's I think that's their way of being able to put them on hold for for the future. Um, but that's kind of where they end off is in this, this lovely place, recreating the, the, <laughs> the universe so to speak. Um, so yeah, so that's just to me, like that's like the ultimate couple that they just, you know, everything they've gone through. And if you read secret wars, they go through a bunch of stuff. Um, anytime something happens to the invisible woman on, you know, uh, Mr. Fantastic is, you know, that's the first thing on his mind. If you ever notice anytime she's in trouble, you know, so that kind of, kind of balances each other. So, yep. So they are definitely my number one couple. You and I could not be more different. Uh, my couple, though, is a Marvel couple. Okay. Um, it, I actually grew up with this couple, and I'm probably going to get hated on for saying this, um, but I think it's, it's, the t- it's the quintessential 90s couple in the Marvel Universe. That's, that's what I'm going to say, and I got a little sound clip to play here, too. I'm frightened, Gambit. I don't know how to fight them without my powers. Take her next. Be brave, Shell. Gambit never said this to anyone before. Gambit loves you. Aw, Gambit loves Rogue. And that's why they're my, my number one pick. So growing up, when I was about nine to ten years old, and I was really getting into comics, uh, I was probably nine the Jim Lee X-Men series was out. X-Men number one, which split the team into gold and blue teams. The blue team stayed on the X-Men title. The gold team went to Uncanny X-Men. And the blue team had on Cyclops, uh, Beast, Wolverine, Psylocke, Gambit, Rogue, and Jubilee. I might be missing somebody else there. So remind me, listeners, remind me if I missed anybody. But um, it really focused a little bit, more, more so up until issue, I believe it's issue 24 because it's still ingrained in my mind. Rogan Gambit go on a date and it's just to me like watching that and then being that young when the animated series and Gambit being my favorite character mm-hmm. growing up he was he was cool he was kind of like Grifter from Wildcats or or um, for those that watch Lost he was the Sawyer of Lost yeah. he was this like thief with a hot heart of gold type of thing he had a dark past he did some things he wasn't proud of but he always he was always trying to repent for those things and then then you couple this thief, this suave, silver-tongued thief with this sweet Southern uh, Belle. Southern Belle who now can't touch anybody. It's a whole like a Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like they have like the very two very passionate people that are so into each other, but they can never make skin to skin contact or they would risk hurting each other and she'd risk absorbing his memories and his powers and whatnot. Except for when they did touch during the Age of Apocalypse, right before that series, uh, uh, that that um, story arc took place, they kissed, thinking it was the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Gambit went into a coma when the universe turned back to normal, and Rogue had these very dark feelings that she couldn't, like these memories in her from Gambit, that she couldn't find out. So fi- finally, a couple issues later, when Gambit healed and he ended up catching up with Rogue, they had what they called the Trial of Gambit. And they retcon this into being such a cool storyline that one of the previous storylines that happened years and years past was something that was called the Mutant Massacre, where this team of marauders, Sabretooth and a bunch of other uh, mutants and, and other villains on behest of Mr. Sinister, 
went into the Morlock tunnels and killed a bunch of those Morlocks, which were those mutants that were living underground. They felt like either they were too grotesque that they couldn't pass as human or, or whatnot. But basically they were slaughtered because Mr. Sinister saw them. He's a, he's a geneticist. He saw them as an imperfection and wanted them wiped clean. Gambit at the time was, was having trouble controlling his powers, so he went to Mr. Sinister, who basically removed a piece of Gambit's brain to help control his power, and then he owed one to Mr. Sinister, and he's the one that put the team together. Now, he had nothing to do with actually killing of the Morlocks themselves. In fact, he actually saved the ones that he could. I believe he saved a character that became known as Marrow. He ended up mm-hmm. saving her as a small child. But this led to, you know, basically they retconned it to say that Gambit was the one that put this team together that wiped out this whole, like, group of mutants living in the sewers. And then that mutant massacre also led to another cool character development because during that, it indirectly led to the creation of Archangel. Because mm-hmm. during the mutant massacre, Warren Worthington, Angel at the time, had his wings pierced. And because they were infected and in, in, uh, they had gangrene, they had to be amputated. And he was so depressed, he tried to kill himself in a plane crash. He was taken by Apocalypse and turned into the Horseman of Death, Archangel. Mm-hmm. So not that that has anything to do with the, the relationship between Rogue and Gambit. I just wanted to point out that Rogue absorbed this memory. And she had to, like, not only did she have to live with Gambit's guilt, she now had to, like, relive that and then still have her, like, she ended up mending fences and having a, a, a relationship with this guy after all that, after she felt his own pay, hate and self-loathing and pain that when she absorbed his memory, she was feeling that same thing. To overcome that and still have a solid relationship, now granted they're not together any longer, but to me that's just, that's true love. Is like, okay, here's here's the, the, the worst thing, my lover, my partner, the person I care about most in the world, this is the worst thing they've ever done. I know exactly how they feel about themselves for doing it, how awful and how much pain they're going through. I need to deal with that same pain and then still be with that person. And to me, that's that's exactly what a relationship should be. So I agree. Maybe we should do something a little extra. Go for it. What do you want to do? How about we do a what if couple? Okay, so shout out to <laughs> KB threw this in. Okay, shout out to Joe Amaral, one of our friends of the show. He's been on three times, our first three P yep. guest. Gave us an idea for a segment called What If, where we kind of hypothesize. Except just, I didn't tell Jay Free about it. No, uh, so what <laughs> if What if you would have told me that we were going to do this segment and I could prepare something? Um, but no, it's a really cool segment. I love it. The comic book What If was yep. huge back in the day. So I think it's a great segment. So let's start it off. I have no theme music for it, so we'll get into that later. But KB, go ahead. What If. Throw in your What If couple. Rogue and Ben Grimm. Odd. How would how like would her powers affect him? That's a good question. I feel like we're gonna be like having like a Big Bang Theory discussion with all all the guys from the Big Bang Theory when they talk about this. Yeah. But and would that be able to work? Well, I guess it comes down to when the thing grabs something with his hand, can he feel it? Is does he have the nerves in that rocky form to actually feel? context and, and softness yeah. and if he does then i feel like his powers would still but we be don't know but that's what i'm saying that's the thing i could see from a personality standpoint i think <laughs> it'd be very interesting with her like southern charm and his you know new york yeah like type of attitude like i could see that um you know the power like, that they're both both as strong as they mm-hmm. are too fighting together side by side would be yeah. a force that to reckon w- with that would be interesting 
That would be very, very interesting. Now he's going to think of one. No, now you're going to put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> and I thought of that one just now as we were doing our countdown. All so. right, let's, let's, let me take a look at your list. Yeah. Give me your list. I'm going to put two random people, from one from you, my list and one from your list. Okay. Uh, uh, Lois Lane and Gambit. Go. <laughs> Not so Lois easy Lane on the fly. Oh, wow. Those, I, I don't I don't think it would work. No, she, she, <laughs> it just she, would not work. She'd be questioning every time you tried to steal something. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what we call an accessory to the crime. No, uh, let's, <laughs> a, what about like somebody like? Okay, let's let's go into something a little bit different. Let's do Batman and Poison Ivy. That's an interesting one because we've never really seen that. She's she's alluded to being attracted to him in yeah. like, the comics and and the video games and whatnot and even the TV series. But we haven't seen a film version of it. But I'm uh, well. We have Uma Thurman. Yeah. Trying to, repressing. Sorry. Yes. Um. Yeah. Very. Cause that, 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 yeah. Because I mean, it, it, would it be like the Catwoman relationship, or would it be more no, like the? Definitely not. Because, well, it depends what what iteration they use of Poison Ivy. Because if she's just like this green, like trying to keep everybody like keep from the destruction of plants, but if she's like enslaving people and, and making them do her bidding and keeping slaves through her pheromones. Uh, probably would not be I, I almost felt like in the uh, the Arkham Knight video game that they were a little more um, good with each other. If you remember yeah, some of the scenes yeah. from the from, from scenes video from game, game, if they use the video game character, I could probably I, see I could that. See that. It, it, I, but I don't think he'd be, ever be able to, like with Catwoman, it's like he knows who she is yep. in the sense that she's a thief and she's that she's you know gets that thrill from robbing and whatnot. Poison Ivy can essentially control you with her pheromones. So I don't think he'd be able, unless he had some type of antidote, or was inoculated against that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would uh, be kosher between the two of them. Yeah, if anybody has any uh, suggestions, uh, post them to our Facebook page. Well, that's, like a great, some other that's a great ifs. little game. Yeah, yeah. Go to our Facebook page. Go to our Twitter. Actually, we'll do the bat signal right now. Um, KB. So what else do we have? Let's do covers of the week. Talk about it. Covers of the week. Uh, there wasn't much for Marvel this week. Jay Free won. He had a lot of DC stuff. Yeah, there was some good stuff. Uh, but uh, I had one... Um, I had one uh, dynamite cover and it looked pretty sweet, so I, I haven't read that yet. I got to check that out. Check out Great Cyborg tonight. number one. That that got released. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, I want to say before I tell you to do our catchphrases too, um, we're gonna go out on a song uh, by a group called Married with Sea Monsters, and it's gonna be called Face It Tiger, and then we'll go out to our regular ending there. So I just wanted to give that a quick heads up and plug that before we go, but also check out. Our Facebook page for your geek on Facebook. The Twitter. The Twitter for your geek on Twitter. Instagram for your geek on Instagram. Guess what? I put a two two videos up on our YouTube page. Oh, cool. For your geek on YouTube. Check that out. Uh, one of them is just, I need to finish it. I need to edit it, but I did the reverse flash vibrating, um, basically uh, vibrating at such a high speed. I'm going to superimpose the line from the TV show, The Flash, in that. I haven't done that yet. But I also have... Um, Pictures, I believe, from Heroes and Villains Fan Fest that I went to that cool. we talked about on the podca podcast. Um, you should check that out. Um, KB, anything else you want to add? Nope. Okay. Not at all, brother. Before you say the catchphrase and we go out with that song, I want to give another quick shout out to a uh, friend of the show who um, has been giving me some comic book uh, suggestions. I want. He's got his own podcast. His name is Paul Williams. He has the Bats, Bows, and Books podcast. I believe you can find that on iTunes. Um, check him out. Real good dude. Real smart. Really uh, knowledge knowledgeable with comics. So he uh, 
he was telling me because we were talking about uh, I posted on the co- covers of the week yeah. Green Arrow, and he's loving the the rebirth issues. But also, he said that you should check out some of the new 52. I gave up on the new 52 Green Arrow after a few issues, and he gave me a couple of story arcs to read. Yeah. So I'm going to have to check those out. So I want to thank him for that and give him a shout-out on this podcast. Check out his podcast. Again, that's the Bats, Bows, In Books podcast. So the Bats, Bows, B-O-W-S, In, and apostrophe, and then Books podcast. And I believe that's on iTunes. So check that out. Listen to it. He's, he's very knowledgeable. A lot more of DC um, he did a review of Suicide Squad yep. similar to us. We have uh, conflicting ideas yep. on it, and that's cool too, though, because it's all about, you know, these are your opinions, share them, and don't be a dick about it. And that's what I say. Give us some feedback on Facebook. Give us some feedback on Twitter, on our YouTube videos. Just don't be a dick about it. So we're going to go out. KB, hit them with the catchphrases. Start your weekend with your geek friends and get your geek on. Thanks, everybody. still here it's over go home